0: Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arsecast, right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. It's the Interlot, that's right. Nevertheless, there
1: you've struggled to quit before. What the fuck? A way to help you find fuck a off. You right.
0: <sighs> Auto playing ads on websites, autoplaying video ads on websites. Can we all agree? As Arsenal fans. Putting everything aside, all our differences, all the things that we can squabble and fight about, whatever side of whatever fence it is you think you're on or not on, can we all just come together, together as one at last, and agree that autoplaying video ads while you're looking at a website are really, really fucking annoying. Shit like that, you see, is why people use ad blocking software, and who can blame them? Because it's really fucking annoying. And obviously that has consequences for the rest of us. You know, sites like ArsBlog that try not to have any of that kind of advertising, anything that's terribly obtrusive or gets in the way or is really annoying, um, people block our ads as well, which is, you know, we need them. We need the ads. They don't seem to realize that they're, they're kind of digging their own grave. It's turkeys voting for Christmas here with this kind of shit. Just stop it, fuckers. Anyway, it's, a, it's an Arsecast. I want you to listen to something. Listen to this. Do you hear that? It's absolute silence. It's amazing. It's just the most amazing thing. Because for the last number of uh, weeks and months, uh, I've been struggling with this kind of weird noise on all my recordings, like this high-pitched, in-the-background sort of noise, which I've been trying to process out. But I don't know if you're like me, you know, you get very exacting about how things sound. And I could hear it when I was talking or when I was talking to James in the Arscast Extra or talking to guests. I could just hear this, like in the background. It was really, really annoying me. And I want to say thank you to uh, at LT Audio on Twitter, who's been helping me try and get to the bottom of it, basically. We were trying all kinds of solutions. We were trying to, you know, put tape over USB cables. We were changing around power cables. We were looking at different mic cables. We were doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, and eventually, uh, it, it came to the conclusion that it was the actual mixer that was the problem. So I've got a brand new mixer. That's right. And it's, listen oh it's amazing it's so beautiful and wonderful and silent and also it, it does this as well if I do this watch, jizz, watch, jizz, watch, jizz, watch, jizz, watch. that sounded like jizz watch, jizz, watch, jizz, watch. anyway it's got echoey stuff and it's got like it's got this as well so I can I can kind of make myself sound all robotic and and shit like that little toys to play around with Anyway, I won't do that. I won't do too much of that, I promise. Well, actually, I don't promise, because it is a really fun toy, and, you know, I just, you know, it's tempting just to sort of put it like a hello. Sorry. I will behave myself. Uh, I don't quite know what show we're going to have. What show? What kind of a show we're going to have, because uh, we don't normally do an RS cast uh, during the interlou, because there's not much to talk about. However, this week... We've signed two brand new players and there was obviously a bit of action going on around transfer deadline day, which was on Wednesday. So we brought in Skodran Mustafi. I had to have a look at the uh, the video on Arsenal.com to, to figure out how to say his name and the guy kind of just flew through it a little bit. If you can have a listen here when they do it. Here he is. Oh, Skodran After all the rumours, all the stories in the press, we can finally say that you're an Arsenal player. There we go. So he kind of flew through the the Skodran bid. Anyway, Skodran Mustafi has joined from Valencia uh, for a fee of around uh, £35 million. Could be £30 million or £5 million in add-ons, but uh, it's in and around the £35 million mark, um, which makes him the most expensive defender in the club's history by a long, long way. A really long way. Uh, And uh, somebody told me on Twitter, apologies, I can't remember who it was, but he is the third most expensive defensive signing of all time, which is uh, pretty amazing for Arsenal to be that club that did that. So he's come in, and also Lucas Perez has come in from Deportivo La Coruña, a 27-year-old striker who will be 28 next month, but until he's 28, he remains, of course, 27 um, he's, a, he's an interesting player. We're going to discuss him a little bit later in the show, I'm sure, with uh, whoever it is that I'm going to be talking to that I don't know who it is yet. So, you know, the, the preparation that's going into this show is, is really something. And, uh, of course, there were some departures as well. I mean, I think the one that stands out for, for everybody is, uh, is one of the best midfielders that any of us have uh, ever seen come through the Arsenal ranks. A player who excited, a player whose potential was obvious, a player whose ability with the ball, the ability to make his mark on games in spectacular ways, a player whose future looked so, so bright, and now uh, things have taken, well, a little bit of a turn, it's got to be said. Um, personally, personally, I think Glenn Kamara is going to do pretty well at Colchester. I know it's a little bit underwhelming. It's not what we'd all expected, but uh, it is the reality of the situation and we'll just have to see how his season goes at Colchester. Yeah, okay, okay. Fine, Jack Wilshire. Jack Wilshire has gone to Bournemouth on loan. Imagine saying that a week ago. Imagine saying a week ago that Jack Wilshire could be playing for Bournemouth. Bournemouth wouldn't have believed it and Arsenal wouldn't have believed it. Uh, fans, I, I mean, I don't think anyone could ever have seen this coming, to be honest. It seems to have happened very, very quickly. And I do wonder what it really means. Uh, there is, of course, the school of thought that if he gets out there and plays regularly and takes responsibility at a club like Bournemouth, then you know, it could be the making of him. It could just rebuild uh, his career and, and bring him back to Arsenal in the kind of uh, position where he can he can kick on. There is the worry, of course, that he's stepping down. He is taking a backward step. I don't think there's any there's any doubt about that. He's going from a club, now whether Arsenal can do it or not, but with an expectation of fighting for the title and maybe doing quite well in Europe. And I think Bournemouth's um, ambition this season will be to stay in the Premier League. Maybe that change of scenery is what he needs, but it's very difficult to escape the fact that this is a, a step backwards and a very surprising one. I'm, You know, he's played in two of the games. I know he's come on as a sub, but you know, it's still so early in the season. So we will discuss uh, Jack Wilshire a little bit later on. Um, I think it's uh, Linus, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, on Twitter, just sent me a little snippet of the BBC Five Live Transfer Deadline Day podcast and on it there was a very interesting snippet from uh, David Ornstein who of course we know as the the Oracle, the man uh, through whom Arsenal d- tend to relay quite a bit of information and uh, he was talking about a late approach from AC Milan this is what he said
2: There was a big story last night that Milan had come in with um with an option to buy so a loan deal with an option to buy at the end Arsenal didn't have any communication at that point with Milan but I don't think that was a deal
0: surprisingly that Arsenal would have been entirely adverse to Now that is really quite interesting I think what you have to do when you hear snippets of information like that is look at where they're coming from and not so much what is being explicitly said but, you know, if if you're hinting at something, you know, you can't necessarily say it outright. But if Arsenal wouldn't have been averse to actually having a loan deal with a purchase option at the end of it for Jack Wilshire, what does that tell us? Is this a loan deal primarily designed to get Jack Wilshire back up to speed to play for Arsenal again? Or is it is it the beginning of the end? Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about Jack Wilshire uh, in a while. Also, Serge Gnabry, he's gone. He went to Werder Bremen, a really weird... 24 hours in terms of the deal that was going on there. First, it was said that uh, Bayern Munich were going to buy him and uh, loan him straight away to Werder Bremen. Then it was believed that Bayern Munich were going to pay for the transfer, but the player was going to go to Werder Bremen, but Bayern would have a clause to take him back. And in the end, Bremen have said that they bought him outright. There were no deals with other clubs or anything like that. But Serge Gnabry is gone. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Just to remind you today that the show is brought to you in association with Cornerstone. Cornerstone shave you closer than any other razor, and they deliver all your shaving stuff to your door. You go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arsblog, sign up, you get a razor with your uh, initials engraved in it, you get these uh, fantastic blades, there's lots of shaving products there, men, they're great for your face, ladies, they're fantastic for wherever you might want to shave as well. This is an Equal Opportunities podcast, Uh, people can shave where they want, when they want, with whatever they want, but what they should be shaving with, is a Cornerstone razor. Every sign-up helps us here on the podcast, helps keep the lights on, so it's very much appreciated, and you get £10 off your first order. So go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arsblog, or just use the code arsblog 10 when you're signing up. Right, okay, look, let's get on with it and talk uh, about Jack Wilshire. Let's talk about the signings that we've made. Let's talk about uh, transfer deadline day rumour those going around but didn't come to pass. All that and more with my guest, James, from WeAreTheNorthBank.com. Hello. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right. So, look, we're going to get into the arrivals and the departures, um, I guess, on an individual basis. But I think I want to start with um, with Jack Wilshere because I think you know uh, we all knew that Mustafi was going to sign, and we knew we were going to sign a forward, e- even if we didn't know it was going to be Lucas Perez. But the idea, even this day, a week ago or four or five days ago, of Jack Wilshire being a Bournemouth player, even if it is on loan, people would have laughed you out of the room. Um, What's your take on the move itself Uh, and and, and what do you think, you know, led up to it? It was definitely
2: um, pushed by Jack himself, obviously not making the England squad in. Um, not really featuring much early season definitely way down the pecking order now um and, and he instigated a move he wants mm. he wants to play every week he wants to you know get out there having missed so much football through injury um so it was definitely uh jack's jack's idea and jack's jack's um need to go out there and 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 just just play really um, but at the same time, um, I think it. I think it is quite telling that that Arsenal didn't um, really put up much friction to stop that mm. idea and, and actually let him out on loan. And I think first and foremost, just because of the strength of our squad now, and I think even even the most ardent of Jack Wilshire fans, and, and and I am a fan. I, I, I love watching him play football. You know, I think he's. Um, even when he's not on top form, I just like the way he looks after the ball and and, and the way he plays and uh, um, with kind of creative flair and, and wanting to make things happen. Um, but I think even the biggest Jack Wilshere fans can't really argue with the fact that you know he he is second choice to a number of midfield players now, not just Zil, um, but but you know you know the the new guys that have come in, Jacker. Uh, El Nene in January, who's acquitted himself so well. Xhaka um, looked fantastic against Watford, um, and then of course you've got Ramsey way ahead of him. Santi Cazola is, you know, he's ahead of of Jack himself. So yeah. unless Wilshere is going to be playing wide in from a wide position, which you know, whilst he he can offer something there, it, he he won't want to play there, and and he's. You know, he's not Arsenal's best option there. Um, I, I, I really think both parties were, you know, you know, were, were happy for for the whole move to take place.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There, there's something quite telling about the fact that Arsenal acquiesced to this desire of his to go. And I think on one on the one hand, we can all understand why after an injury hit season last season, an injury hit career basically. Uh, that he wants to go somewhere and play regular football. Because I think even if he were to stay at Arsenal, the first thing he had to do was stay fit and then work his way back into the team. Um, so I think we can understand it on on that level. But the, the fact that Arsenal and Arsene Wenger were willing to let him go, I mean, I, I think there's something in there. You know, a manager, uh, his job is to win football matches. It's not to make players happy, happy. Um, just because they want to be happy or they feel like they want to be happy. His job is to win football matches. And a manager as experienced as Arsene Wenger knows that you need a deep squad. He knows that you need good players, and Jack Wilshire is a very good player. Um, at the same time, though, you don't tend to let players go who you feel can make a telling contribution, who can win you games, who can score goals, who can who can gain points for the team and I know we've got this midfield depth but I mean do you think Arsene Wenger is looking at it going well yeah we can we can live without Jack Wilshire?
2: absolutely I, I think that's spot on I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't be at all surprised if um, perhaps Jack Wilshire doesn't ever play for Arsenal again
0: do you think so yeah um, because I mean that's that's one of the things that people are looking at I, I do
2: yeah, I, I, I seriously do I mean I, I hope that isn't the case and I hope he can come good but yeah um, as as I said previously, Arsenal have so many more options at, at their disposal now at this moment in time, and um, Jack has been so unfortunate with injury that he hasn't been able to make himself the, the talisman of this team, which which he was, you know, everyone predicted he would be when he came onto the scene, mm. um, and so because of that, um, I, I think um, I think Arsenal are kind of happy to. Well, they obviously are happy to to let Jetlucia go. Do you think? Do you think? Um,
0: sorry, just to cut across here, Do you think Arsene Wenger that. might might look at the fact that he's asked to leave in a, I won't say judge him on that, but do you think he might think in his own mind? Okay, well, look, Jack could have stayed. Like Arsenal weren't forcing him out the door. Jack could have stayed and really had a go at fighting for his place. He could have trained hard. He could have taken his chances when he was when he was given opportunities on the pitch. I mean, he's played in in the last two games. I know he's only come on as a substitute, but it's not as if he's been frozen out or anything like that. So, do you think that might be a, a factor and or something that that Arsene Wenger now thinks about going? Okay, well, you know, is he is he a guy who's really up for the fight at, at Arsenal Football Club? I my feeling was that. Uh, He should have stayed till at least January. And if he was still finding it difficult to get regular first team football in January, then you can make a decision and say, okay, look for the good of uh, the player and maybe even for the good of the squad, we can let him go. But in, in August, it seemed to me a bit like just giving up a bit too easily.
2: Yeah, I think first of all, uh, as we all know, Jack, Jack Wilshere is a fighter, whether that's on the pitch or in nightclubs or in you know, <laughs> he, he's a he's a scrappy, you know, uh, sh- strong-willed character, and I don't for one minute think that this is a, a reflects or, or should reflect badly on him as um, you know as a player wanting to stay and fight for his position because what you've got to remember is, and I think fans forget this quite a lot of, and rightly so really is that it's not the player that just the player making these decisions about their career. I mean they they pay huge amounts of money to advisors and and you know representatives and agents and who who are looking after them and giving them advice. So there's no doubt in my mind that they've looked at the start of the season, um, seen that Will Shear is well down the pecking order and and advised Jack to say, look, you need to be playing, if you, especially if you want to play for England again. You need to be playing. You're not going to be starting games for Arsenal, unless they have, a, you know, a, a huge deluge of injuries. Um, you know, which isn't uncommon, of course, at, at Arsenal. But at the same time, as, as I said before, that we have so many more options now. It's not like um, you know one player would get injured and Wilshere we'll straight back in the team. That that's not the case at the moment for a, a number of positions um not least he's his, his favoured um central role. So mm. um I I think he's you, you know he's taken stock. He's been given lots of advice to say, look, look Jacko, we're gonna make a most of his career here with you know th- this is gonna be the best for you and, and I seriously think that's that's what's gone on. And and again don't don't forget from Arsenal's point of view that that I think there's two things here from Arsenal Wenger's point of view, he's never stood in the way of players who want to to leave who aren't getting enough time. We've seen it a number of times. I mean, um, regretfully, from fan's point of view, especially from my point of view, I always remember when Edu left um, at the time. I, mean, I loved him, loved watching him as a player, but I also thought he offered so much to the squad, but he wanted to play every single week. and, and Yeah. Arsenal was very honest with him and said, "No, I can't do that." So he didn't stand in his way from him wanting to, to you know, seek first team football, regular first team football. Um, and there have been a, a number of occasions down the years where Arsenal have done that, especially with young players and um, letting young players go. And I think this is perhaps another instance of that. Um, secondly, Jack Wilshere's injuries have taken so much toll on him that perhaps that's in Arsenal's thinking especially given Thomas Rizitsky, uh especially Abu Diabi um the, the amount of flack that arsenal have got for for standing by very well paid players that that haven't been able to mm. um kind of free themselves from injury for for whatever reason um and so i think also from um almost like a club point of view they are perhaps looking at that area also and thinking maybe he can't sustain a full season we don't know mm. um, so I think there's a number of factors in there um, uh, and it's all a bit unfortunate from from an Arsenal fan's point of view to kind of see Jack uh, leave um, and I'm kind of expressing doom and gloom and suggesting that he might never play for Arsenal again. Um, but but at the same time, really, I, th- I think it is just best for the player at, at this moment in time. And yeah. it would be really good to see him do the business for Bournemouth and, and you know, really give Arsenal that headache and, and perhaps change Arsene Wenger's mind to, to think, do you know what, maybe we should get him back and maybe he should be, you know, you know right up there or even starting games. But, yeah. Um, at the moment i would be surprised if that was the case
0: yeah i mean w- when you look at it from a, a pure footballing point of view i mean i think the decision to go to to bournemouth is a far better one than going to crystal palace for example i Absolutely. think in terms of yeah. in terms of the coach in terms of the style of football yeah. uh, you know th- you can see it from from the point of view of wilshire there are a lot of benefits uh, for him on a very personal level i don't really see that it benefits Arsenal, not this season, anyway. Maybe if he plays brilliantly and comes back next season and is, you know, a different player, then you know you can say Arsenal have played the long game quite well and they've they've uh, taken some short term pain for some long term game. But it's it's difficult to know. But I mean, it is whatever way you look at it, a significant step down in terms of uh, his football career. You know, he is with a team or has been with a team that's always played Champions League football, uh, always supposedly challenging for the title. You know, whether we get there or not is another thing, uh, of course. You know, has won trophies, a couple of FA Cups. Um, and he's playing at a very high-profile, big European club, and now he's moving to a club where they finished 16th, I think, last season, a little bit above the relegation zone. But you know, ultimately, their ambition this season is going to be is going to be to stay up, and I'm sure they'll hope Wilshire can help, uh, maybe uh, help them finish further up the table. But in, in terms of just the general uh, profile of the team, is going to it is a significant step backwards,
2: undoubtedly. Yeah, but um, I think. I think the problem there is if he if he had gone for example had gone to Roma um, he's not going to walk into the starting lineup um, and and it will be um, perhaps not as extreme as his situation at Arsenal in terms of being you know uh, behind a number of players but mm. he he needs games he needs to play a run of games he needs to probably for himself in terms of you know all of the even the psychological things that come with being injured for a prolonged period of time um you, you know that's, that's that's could be a big factor um for him in terms of you know you know wanting to get that confidence back because he hasn't looked particularly confident when he's played um recently i mean especially the european championships um he didn't give a, a good account of himself at all and and even kind of in pre-season and um, when he came on against Watford, he you mm. know he looked really ordinary for for Jack Wilshere. He didn't look sharp at all. But um, you know, obviously, the, the thought process will be that getting the team start every game, um, form permitting, injury permitting, obviously, and and get that run of games behind him. I, I don't think he would have got that um, at Roma mm. uh, or at a, a um, more established Premier League club. Um, and and also, I think. Um, Bournemouth's quite practical in a sense that he doesn't really have to uproot his family or um you, you know, he can he can his, his commuting distance and um a move abroad might have been um you know, there would have been a, a hell of a lot to, to organise in a really short space of time. Mm. Not to say that it couldn't have been done, but I just think um I just think that Bournemouth move really made sense to him. And he obviously had talks already how um, the, the, I think it was the day before deadline day. Um, was obviously in- incredibly impressed with what he had to say. He knows, you know, his he's best mates with Benica who's there. Um, so, so it kind of it kind of adds up. Um, to me, and 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 obviously to to Jack Wilshere also.
0: All right. Well, look, we'll uh, we'll watch with interest. I guess it gives us something to watch, aside from Arsenal in the Premier League this season, to see how he goes and see how he develops. And look, if he can stay fit and if he can play well, uh, you know, it's certainly not the, uh, the the beginning of the end. But uh, it, it feels uh, feels a bit sink or swim. Like if it doesn't go well. It, it, it makes his Arsenal future all the more um, uh, shady, I guess you would say. But look, we'll we'll see how he goes, and we'll keep fingers crossed that he can stay fit. First and foremost, I think that's the thing that he needs to do. If he stays fit, then he'll he'll play well because he's he's such a good player. Um, but look, okay, Jack Wilshere aside, uh, the day before deadline day, two signings were confirmed. We knew they were coming in: Lucas Perez and Shkodran Mustafi are coming in from Valencia. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Mustafi talking about how the deal was. He said it wasn't easy because uh, people were going, "Well, why, why haven't Arsenal got him in when they first uh, made a bid for him, etc., cetera, etc.?" Cetera. Uh, but uh, you know, transfers, as we know, are not always uh, as simple as as we like to think they are. But uh, in terms of the profile. Of, of the player coming in at centre-half, a very, very interesting signing.
2: Yeah, he fits the, the profile um, really well, uh, and he's at a really good age as well, um, uh, at the same time being, being vastly experienced, really. Um, it was a bit of a tricky deal by all accounts. Um, Valencia missed Arsenal about um, kind of intimating that they would accept a, a, a certain fee, which Arsenal went in with, but then um, kind of pulling the, the rug from underneath um, Dick Law's, well, it would have been Dick Law, I imagine, his, his feet. From, to, from um, under Dick Law's
0: dick, t- we should say. <laughs>
2: under, yeah, yeah oh, there's a thought. Um, <laughs> uh, to to then sort of demand the, the buy-up clause of €50 million. Euros, and at that stage, Arsenal were... Probably a bit pissed off that had been messed around, and at the same time, obviously didn't value Mustafi at fifty million euros, and so started to to look elsewhere. Whilst leaving it with um, Valencia, who mm. eventually kind of um, called their bluff and and they they um, dealt at forty million euros. Um, I I think it's uh, probably a little bit over the odds, but then in this in this market, ridiculous market, I think it could. Proved to be really good business from from you know obviously what I've what I've seen. Um, mainly playing for Germany, he's always kind of played for Germany when there's been an injury or or, or a, a suspension or squad rotation in tournaments, and just fitted in perfectly and with with no real issue. Um, and, and looks like you know he's he's been there for years. Um, yeah. He looks to be a really good reader of the game. Um he can obviously play, has um you know very comfortable with with the ball at feet. Um he's he's sharp, uh pretty pretty quick. Um I've heard a, a few pundits suggesting that he might not be the best in the air, but from what I've seen that that hasn't been the case. So I think that's probably just an easy thing to mm. suggest that Arson Wenger's buying a centre half that isn't very good in the air. I think that's a probably be an easy stick with which which to beat him, but from what I've seen, he's looked pretty sound in all departments. Yeah, and uh, really looking forward to to watching him play. Actually, um, it was interesting that um, I think um, what came out yesterday when Arsenal refused to really um, do business with Roma with Jack Wilshere, um, that the, they did actually um, talk to Roma about Manolas. They watched him. In the Champions League qualifier against Porto, um, and they, whilst Valencia were kind of sitting on Arsenal's bid for Mustafi, they were they were looking to um, to do business for Manolas just in case um, Mustafi didn't go through. Mm. Um, so that's quite an interesting one. Perhaps that might be a transfer for the future, um, yeah. which again I'd be really happy with about because I've seen Manolas a few times and he looks he looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um but going back to Mustafi I think he he's probably one that that should um hopefully seamlessly fit into the squad or into the team um and be a really good partner for
0: Caselni uh,
2: he, he, he looks uh, the real deal.
0: Yeah, he does. And Lucas Perez, I mean, all, all the comparisons are being made with, with Jamie Vardy in, in terms of the the way that he's developed late in his career, the kind of player that he is, the hustle and bustle and the bit of bite that he has um, in his attacking play. Uh, he's 27, uh, we're nearly 28. Um, uh, he does had he abuse gr-
2: Japanese people in casinos?
0: Uh, not as far as i know not as far as i know if if he has done he's done it away from the uh, the uh, the gaze of uh, camera phones and that kind of thing so maybe he's got a bit more common sense um yeah well no well, i guess we hope that he doesn't abuse anybody anywhere whether it's in casinos or otherwise but uh i you know i think there's something quite telling about the fact that uh, Wenger has brought in this kind of a player when he's talked about the hunger of Leicester players and he, he's spoken about players who haven't had it all at the age of 18, uh, you know, where everything is done for them, where you're earning tens and tens of thousands at a Champions League club as a teenager. And, you know, we've had a few of those come through, and I think it's fair to say that it has affected the development, perhaps not even footballistically and even mentally, of a few of them where they haven't necessarily grown up into the men that you would like them to become. And, and bringing in a player like Lucas Perez, bit of a gamble, and Wenger has said himself it's a bit of a gamble. But I think he's gambling on this guy uh, at, at his age, heading towards his late twenties, getting this fantastic chance at a club like Arsenal, and really going out to take it.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen that much of him to be honest. I haven't. Um, I've never seen him, um, you know, live on on TV. I don't. I don't watch that much La Liga to be honest um, of, of late. Um, but from obviously the YouTube clips that have done the rounds. Um he he looks kind of almost like the the perfect Wenger forward. Um mm. you know versatile. Uh, has played center forward the last season but can play um from either flank. Um makes quite clever runs. Um pretty good finisher, can shoot from distance. Um what I what I like about him, what I've um, I've read read a little bit about him is he seems quite um quite a spiky passionate character yeah. and I think we've lacked that um, up front uh, since Van Persie um, who was also a bit of a prima donna at the same time whereas this guy <laughs> doesn't doesn't look any of that at all so that looks to me um, really promising and he, he's actually quite an exciting signing I think he's not the, the marquee centre forward that everyone craved but you know if he if he gets off, off to a good start uh, i think you know especially with a lot of um, a lot of clubs in the premier league not probably not that aware of 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 him and the kind of runs he makes and, and the type of player that he is um and with the you know the the almost embarrassment of riches um in terms of creativity we have now with you know with Mesut obviously, and then Shaka um, and Santi Cazorla, and you know we've got so many options. I mean, poor old Woby he probably won't get a look in now for the next few games, despite being a revelation last season. Yeah, um, you know, Alexis looks like he's coming into form. We've got a lot of um, a lot of players who, during the Watford game, showed that real promise and you know Theo Walcott looked a, a different player to what we saw last season. Um so I think he'll he'll get plenty of plenty of ammunition and plenty of um goal scoring opportunities. So if he can get off and running, I think um I think he could be a really interesting signing because he offers something completely different to Giroud, which um which Arsenal have been looking for for, for a, a number of seasons. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, he may not be the the superstar signing, but um, you know I'm really excited to see how it plays out and and how he kind of um, you, you know throws himself into into the English game. Yeah, I mean as you say, he's he's been a late starter. He's he's quite well travelled, um, and this is a you know a, a dream opportunity for him. Um, although I'm, I'm aware that there are a number of other quite big clubs in for him, um, it's still you know, a, a platform for him that he could only have dreamt of sort of, you know, this time last season. Yeah. Um, And so I think with that hunger and that that desire that, that he shows as well as his technical ability, I think he, you know, he could be a, a really good signing. But as you say, it is a bit of a gamble and a bit of a punt. Um But that's where, that's what the market dictated. They just aren't, there aren't quality, world-class centre forwards out there that you you could have gone and bought in yeah. a window. I mean, we've, yeah. we've seen that. That's very there true. Uh, Zlatan is probably the only one that, that people will flag up, but um, you, you know, for three hundred odd grand a week, uh, Arsenal just wouldn't have done that yeah. because, you know, especially when they're trying to negotiate for Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez to sign new deals, so. Um, you know it it was perhaps not the signing that we wanted to make from the fans point of view but i think he could be a really exciting one
0: all right well we'll see obviously there's that thing when a new guy arrives you you immediately Uh, look at all his best qualities and think they're going to be amazing. Um, And, uh, you know, time will tell, obviously, uh, how he does it on the pitch. But yeah, I I like the idea of him and what he can bring to this team. And, uh, you know, if he can transmit some of what he did last season at Deportivo into this Arsenal side, then I think we'll be obviously obviously much better for it. Very quickly and finally, um, there were some whispers going around uh, on deadline day about Daniel Sturridge and a, a potential Arsenal move. Uh, you have a little bit of insight into what that was all about.
2: Yeah, he's um, he's representative. His agent was were definitely hawking him to Arsenal. With that that you know, without a doubt, I actually heard about it um, a couple of weeks ago um, from a journalist friend of mine. But he didn't want to run the story because he wasn't sure um, about the um, kind of. Validity from Arsenal's point of view, if you know, if they were really that interested, um, I, I, I'm still not 100 percent aware that Arsenal were indeed interested and in, in approached Liverpool because, from you know, from from I believe it was it was you know kind of the other way round, which obviously doesn't work. But it was his his agent saying um, to Arsenal, "Yeah, our, our client, you know, our player wants to." He wants to play for you, um, but obviously Liverpool were never going to entertain that. Um, even though I'm not aware that Arsenal actually made any any approach, but I find I do find that one interesting, and I think it, you know, seeing how he goes this season for Liverpool, which he's obviously not first choice at the moment under Jurgen Klopp. Um, he's gone pub public about not wanting to play, um, you know what. Um, not, not that he doesn't want to play wide, but that he he would rise. He's a centre forward, and he wants to play through the middle. And um, so, and this isn't the first time that, that Sturridge has um, gone public about um, uh, these sort of things. So,
0: yeah.
2: I think it could be one to watch. It could perhaps be be one that Arsenal might look at, um, maybe maybe next summer. Obviously, depending on what what pans out this season. Um, and and again. Whether whether Sturridge can can play a full season, I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, you
2: know, would, would Arsenal go anywhere near a, a such an injury prone player given their track record over the last ten years? Uh, you know, there's no doubting Daniel Sturridge's quality, um, and he he he's the sort of player that would suit Arsenal's style of play perfectly, I think, from a from a centre forward's point of view. Um, but his his injury record is is so poor that. Um, That'll definitely be a huge factor if, if they were to, to make any moves for him.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe he'll be Jack Wilshire pinging these lovely long balls over the top for Daniel Sturridge to run onto to score <laughs> for, for Bournemouth next season. So. For Bournemouth. That <laughs> was <good>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> James, you better leave it there. Thank you as always. No worries. Take care. Cheers. Thank you to James. You can find him on Twitter at NorthbankLore. That's at North Bank Lower. So, look, what else is there to talk about? Not a lot, given that we've done transfers, we've done deadline day. We Didn't really talk about Serge Gnabry, did we? No. That's a bit of a strange one because Arsene Wenger really likes Serge Gnabry. And when he sent Joel Campbell out on loan, I figured it was making room for, for Serge in the squad. But unfortunately, he doesn't seem to, uh, doesn't seem to have wanted that position and has, on the advice of his agents, moved on, on a permanent basis. He's gone to Werder Bremen. Bit of a shame, because he is a a talent, there's no question about that. At the same time, though, he's a guy who hasn't started a a game of club football in over two and a half years. So, there's something going on a bit weird, I reckon. I, I think that he probably just refused to sign a new deal. And Arsene Wenger said, OK, well, look, we're going to sell you because uh, ultimately a player in the last 12 months of his contract, you know, we can get some money for you now. And a player in the last 12 months of his contract, Arsene Wenger doesn't like playing them. Remember Sylvain Wiltord? He was mysteriously injured for a long time during his final season. I don't think he was that injured at all. Just Arsene Wenger took the hump when Wiltord wouldn't sign a new contract and didn't play him. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily the case with Gnabry, but uh, I think the the decision was forced on Arsenal because I think uh, they would have kept him if he was willing to sign a new deal. Uh, So there you go. But that's football. That is what happens. Players get injured. Players lose their way. You stand by the player. You pay the player. And then they tell you, hey, I'm going to go play somewhere else. It's just the way it is the reality of football world. It works both ways, of course. Clubs are very quick to get rid of players when they deem them not useful at all. So, uh, you know, let's not get too bent out of shape by the whole surge getting everything. We've had some uh, shirt number stuff going on. Skodran Mustafi is going to be wearing the number 20 shirt bequeathed to him by Mathieu Flemine. Thank you, Mathieu. That now immediately makes Mustafi uh, Ozil's best friend. They're BFFs forever now because he's got the number 20 shirt. Lucas Paras, of course, is wearing the number 9. And people are going, oh no, the number 9. Not the number 9. It's cursed. No, please, not 9. But it's not cursed. A number isn't cursed. There's no such thing as curses, really. If there was, there would be a lot of dead people from my brain that I would have said things about in my head. Not necessarily out loud, because that is incriminating. Either people can hear you, or you say it into a broadcast mechanism of some kind. So I recommend only thinking these things. Anyway, you know, the idea of a, a cursed shirt, it's nonsense. How come the number nine hasn't been successful for Arsenal down the years? Well, could it be that some of the players who played in the shirt really weren't that good. Could that be the common denominator? Rather than some malevolent spirit infecting the number nine Arsenal shirt. I think it could be, you know. Park Chu Young? Pfft, come off it. Francis Jeffers? Never worked out. Julio Baptista? Too busy trying to do overhead kicks at every available opportunity. Eduardo? Eduardo, everyone goes, Eduardo, he was he was the number nine. He could have been the number nine. He was cursed. No, he wasn't. Some big fucking lumbering cunt broke his leg with a horrible challenge. It had nothing to do with the number he was wearing. That's not the curse of the number nine. Doesn't work like that, because there is no curse. But also, don't blame a curse when it's just some big fucking clogging bastard who broke his leg. Lucas Podolsky was number nine. I mean, he wasn't the greatest, but he wasn't bad. He scored us some goals. So it's not the shirt. Lucas Perez is now going to take over the number nine shirt, grow a tail. No, he's not. Of course he's not. He's going to do okay. I hope he's going to do okay. I hope he's going to do better than okay. That would be fantastic. If you could bang them in as a number nine, that's what everyone wants. But basically, I don't give a fuck what uh, shirt number anybody is wearing when they score the goals. Once they score the goals. Makes no difference to me whatsoever. Apart, of course, apart from William Gallas at number 10. See, I'm playing with my thing again. Sorry. William Gallas at number 10. Yes. No, no, we can't. No. No i' I'm gonna drive myself mad thinking about that, even when he was scoring with his cock that wasn't enough to make up for the fact that he was wearing the number ten but Lucas Perez number nine it'll be it'll be okay folks I promise I promise it'll be okay so look i'm I'm gonna leave it there because uh I don't know what else to talk about it's uh it's getting late in the evening I could do with a beer sit down watch a bit of TV or something I don't know did I mention that I saw a man on a bus today who had two nipples on his arm? I didn't mention that. I was getting a bus home, and the man in front of me was sitting with his arm across the back of the seat, with his arm around his girlfriend. And between, like, his elbow and his shoulder on the back of his, the back of his arm, he had nipples. It was like one big nipple but with two teats. It was really, really strange. It was quite hairy as well. It was one of those things that it was like Ah oh, please move your arm. Move your arm would you uh, please move your arm and then it became weirdly and oddly fascinating. And I tried not to look at it, but I couldn't help it. It was like right I'm gonna look out the window, I'm gonna look out the window and then your eyes go back to it and you're like that's disgusting. But I can't stop looking at it. That was the highlight of my day today, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope your day was better. James and I will be here, as usual, on Monday. We'll have an Arsecast Extra for you, discussing all the whatever happens between now and Monday, I guess. So please join us for that. Uh, We'll be back with another Arsecast, of course, next weekend as we prepare to face Southampton. We'll keep fingers crossed that all our players come back from the international break safe and sound, fit and well. Uh, So uh, in the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: That was Transfer Deadline Day on Sky Sports News HQ. Well done, everybody. Another great Transfer Deadline Day here on Sky Sports News. Give yourselves a round of applause. Okay, Natalie, fantastic work as always. You're a gem, darling. You're an absolute gem. And Jim, oh Jim, what can I say? You are the absolute master. Fuck off, you cunt. Uh, Sorry, Jim, uh, is something wrong? What's happened? I'm fucking fed up right, all you cunts coming here telling me that I can't be fucking the man. This is not about transfers. You know it, I know it, and they know it. Next year, this... Is gonna be international. Jim, wait day. No fucking transfer deadline day. International. Jim, fucking, wait day. Do you hear me? I do hear you, Jim, and you know how much I respect you, but it is actually about transfers. It's about how much money is spent by football clubs, buying human beings off each other. I think you might, Jim. You might need a rest. Do you need some sleep? No, I fucking don't need sleep. I'm hungry. Jim White is hungry. I need to feed No, Leave it with me, Jim. I'm on it. I'm on it. People, come on. Get ready. Can we get an orphan over here for Jim to consume, please? I thought we discussed this. We need an orphan the minute the cameras are off. It's all good, Jim. Relax. We've got a meal coming for you. Jim White can't wait. I'm gonna eat that cunt over there. Um, you don't want to do that, Jim. That's Tony Cascarino. You really don't want to. You don't want to do that, no. Uh, I'm. I'm pretty sure he tastes absolutely terrible. Then you cunt are gonna taste our wrath of Jim White. (laughs) Ah, Ah, Ah,